Welcome to the California Improvement Network's podcast series on building effective partnerships to address social needs that impact health. During this series, you will hear about real-life struggles and triumphs from those doing the work and gain ideas you can use in your own partnerships for addressing social needs. As California Improvement Network, or CIN, is a learning and action network, we hope that as you listen, you will consider what you can apply to your work and identify at least one action you can take to advance the partnerships you have. CIN is a project funded by the California Healthcare Foundation and administered by Health Force Center at UCSF. To learn more about California Improvement Network and access other resources for addressing social needs that impact health, visit www.chcf.org slash CIN. Welcome back, everyone. I'm thrilled to introduce Dr. Sunita Mutha, Director of Health Force Center at UCSF and a California Improvement Network Managing Partner to this conversation today. Hi, Sunita. Thanks for being here. Hi, Marie. I'm delighted to be here. If you could tell us a little bit about what do you think makes for an effective partnership? So I, of course, am thinking of several partnerships as I'm answering your question. And the immediate thing I think about is relationship, right? So what is the foundation for the partnership? And sometimes we have partnerships that we form really quickly, and other times we've been able to develop them at a much more leisurely pace. So I usually think about what's the level of trust What's the level of transparency and what's the level of accountability and why does this partnership exist? Like to serve what good? And sometimes the good is, you know, very personal or it's very much around uh, meeting a work need. Uh, But those are some of the things that I think about initially. And as you think about some of the partnerships that you have in your work, whether it's at Health Force Center or through some of the work at, Cal- at the California Improvement Network or the other work that you do, what steps do you take to achieve a strong partnership? I think it all starts really with getting clear on why, why the partnership is essential and ensuring that everyone who's part of that partnership, because the partnership can be among two individuals. It can also be among a group of individuals or organizations. And so it's like, are we clear on the purpose for why the partnership is essential? And usually for us, it's about solving a complex problem, a one that doesn't have an easy answer and that there is agreement from all parties that it is a problem worth solving together. It almost feels like there is a cadence or a rhythm to the way partnerships develop. And it doesn't mean that it, it's the amount of time, it's the what needs to happen. There has to be a piece of it that, that is about first pausing long enough to understand who's on the other side of the partnership or around the table of the partnership. So not rushing. And you know, we maybe you're chuckling for the same reason that I am, that why do we do icebreakers and getting to know you? But that matters. And the reason for me it matters is not only is it a strong foundation for a partnership, it's what is going to save me when the partnership hits a stumbling block, which it invariably will. And so I think it's a it's an investment on the front end of ensuring that you understand the perspective of the other organization or people, that you understand the individuals, getting the sense for why they're there, what matters to them, how do they work, how do you communicate? Humor, when it can be present, is just feels like icing on the cake. But I think it's it's really the the initial things that I said are really around trust and relationships and clarity of intent, and then an agreement to engage in the process. Because sometimes we we believe we've developed a partnership, but we haven't actually agreed to it. You know, as you think about 
developing partnerships and strong partnerships, is there a time when you know you just haven't quite achieved the right level of strength in your partnership? And what does that look like? Such a good question. It's making me pause. That I think um, there's lots of ways to know, sadly, because <laughs> we've all had times where we wish we had done it differently. I think ways to know is when people are uncomfortable that you can't make progress and there's something holding back progress. So whether it's you don't have an agreement or you have concern or you, you've lost trust somehow, I think those are some of the really not great ways of knowing. I think for me, sometimes, you know, I rely really heavily on my intuition. That doesn't help here where I say, well, just trust your intuition. <laughs> but I do. I, and I do that really based on scanning and understanding what is actually being said and what is not being said? What is the body language when we have that ability to be together in person where you can see that there's a hesitation or a concern or a need to slow down? I think those are some examples. I think there are the worst examples that we all want to try to avoid. And I think we have gotten smarter about and um, and sometimes we're just lucky with is avoiding it, uh, that situation where the partnership unravels in a way that cannot be recovered, that doesn't feel good for anybody and it's harmful and it takes a long time to recover. And and particularly when our partnerships and particularly for the CIN network, those partnerships are around achieving action. And if that is going to keep us from moving and making progress towards action, then that feels like a double misstep. Yeah, you know, one of the things you mentioned already, and I know those who joined us on this podcast talked a lot about how partnerships are like relationships and that it's about really putting in the energy, which is required in any relationship, whether it's a partnership or relationship. You know, if you could just think about one partnership that you have, and again, whether it's through your work at Health Force Center or your work as a provider, could you just talk a little bit about when you needed to work toward making your partnership stronger, increasing the engagement of those who you were with and how you did that? Yeah, I have in mind. So I, I at the moment have on my clinician hat because those partnerships are really important to me. And these are partnerships with patients and their families. And, um, and they don't always go as smoothly as much as I'd like to pride myself on the strength of those relationships. So I'm thinking of a recent one where I realized that kind of where it went awry is there was a misunderstanding and the misunderstanding showed up in a set of behaviors that clearly raised a concern for me that there was worry, there was unhappiness, dissatisfaction, if you will, and the engagement, the patient engagement in this case was going to be low. For me, the first question is always to just pause and say, do I understand the situation? Actually, my first response is usually like, okay, manage my emotions because it makes me sad when that happens. It really, because it, it, it feels personal. And, and that's true whether they're professional partnerships with organizations also. So there is, you know, like the acknowledge the emotion or the worry or whatever it is. I think the second uh, thing for me has always been to stop and say, okay, what did I, what do I understand? What do I need to own? What is my responsibility or contribution in this? And how am I going to work towards recovery or repair if whatever is needed? And for me, I think these are pretty universal principles that work regardless of the kind of partnership. And in that setting, what was clear was exchanging four more messages through an electronic portal was not a good option, that it was only going to exacerbate it. So it meant pausing and saying, we need to have a conversation, acknowledging that something had occurred 
and needed to be attended to and that it was a priority for me to address. And I have to say the palpable appreciation on the other end was so high. And it just reminded me that sometimes calling out what is occurring so that we can all acknowledge it and acknowledge an emotional reaction to it and work towards a solution. So I had, you know, I, I scheduled what I needed to do. I had a an agenda that I was transparent about also, like here are the three things that I think we need to discuss. And I start with acknowledging what I understand, but but really just letting the other person talk. And it doesn't take that long, usually, especially when somebody's been given the invitation for them to offer what it is. And sometimes it's not about the issue that we think it is, right? Somebody feels slighted, misunderstood, disrespected. And so leaving space to really be intentional about my questions and pausing long enough to really listen actively. So I I feel like that has become almost foolproof for me to just say, you know, pause, pay attention to the emotion, raise it if the opportunity allows, kind of raise the point that you would like to have a conversation that something has occurred and then a stepwise phrase for doing it. And that same process may be different for other people, but for me, that allows me to also feel like I, if allows me to feel like when the process is done, that I feel good about it and that we have gotten to a new place and that we work. It may not happen in one cycle, that we work to kind of improve it and that I'm being intentional and also showing up with integrity. You know, listening to you kind of answer that question, I just realized how much passion you have for, for this. Not, I mean, obviously you're a clinician, so you love your patients. That makes sense. But, you know, just hearing the way that you've invested in this and invested in, in improving your process for engaging your partnerships or working with your patients. So what do you, I'm just curious, what do you get out of building partnerships? Why does it matter to you? There's a couple of reasons. I like people. I really just (laughs) kind of that sounds so basic, but I do. And I love being able to do work with others. I feel like that's much better work and much better quality of work. The other reason is that we are trying to solve really hard problems. And if they were easy and if they could be done by one person, they likely would have been done. Somebody would have figured that out. But we are we're usually not grappling with those. And in the improvement network, the kinds of big questions we've been asking ourselves, I think are vital and they are going to require collective action groups working together across silos with really strong partnerships. So I think it's for those reasons, I absolutely believe that this is the right way to go. It is sometimes a slower way to go, but it's going to get us much farther and with some staying power and resilience, which you know, otherwise, um, I think it's easy to lose steam. One of the biggest things that we talk about in the California Improvement Network is we we actually use the word failure. It's important to our work because, you know, we we use it to help us understand how we can address our failures and make progress and move ahead. So really it's a, it's a helpful word to us as a network, as you know, but just reminding our listeners that we love this word. Given that context, you know, what failures have you encountered through your partnerships? So many. <laughs> There's a saying that I love, which is failure is learning, right? Or we all use these kind of adages of like fail forward, which you know implies that you're going to learn something from that. So failure is just, of course, it's going to happen. There's no, I mean, we're human and processes are changeable and situations change and there's so many things that can affect it. So I think I feel really strongly that failure matters. I think it, I feel equally strongly that we have to take away the shame 
that happens with failure, either for ourselves individually or for us as organizations. But I'm also a realist to know that our systems and our accountability measures and our metrics don't align with that learning mentality. Who wants failure in healthcare? Nobody. That the stakes just feel too high and it's not okay. So there's a balance in there of like knowing when we're in that space that failure is part of the process that we are going to not just cringe when it happens, but just say, okay, what did we learn here? And how are we going to make this different? And both of those things matter. But I think we're really fortunate in this improvement network because that is a shared set of values that the people that come to the network bring. And those are who are newer to the network, I think quickly see that that is a value and that We don't have to have all the answers. And in fact, that is why we are there, is to learn, to be transparent about what we tried that didn't work uh, so somebody else doesn't have to make the same mistake and can move on to the next set of things that need to be learned, but also hold ourselves to high standards around we're trying to improve care, not just fail forward. So I think it's balancing those tensions, but I agree with you. It's such an important concept to, uh, to hold on to and to value. You know, I wanted to just go back to something that you said earlier, which is that, you know, partnerships, there's so many problems that we're trying to solve and you can't solve them individually. And we need to work together and collectively to improve ourselves and improve our communities and improve our systems. I wonder if there's a particular partnership that you're currently engaged in that you feel like is really collaborative and you're working together to solve or move towards something. Yeah. And before I answer that, you know, I'm reminded as you're describing this, that there's a really important piece that we haven't called out that I think is worth calling out. That in all of this work around partnerships, I think we're all, I am certainly at a leading stage of understanding the ways in which our partnerships are structurally racist or don't share power or make it hard for people to feel like they belong. And I, uh, so I'm reflecting, we haven't touched on that yet. And I know that that is an important issue that we have explicitly talked about in the California Improvement Network and are beginning this journey ourselves to work on both pragmatic solutions, but also how we do our work. So I wanted to call that out. Yeah, no, and and appreciate you calling that out because I think that's, you know, that's an undertone to all of the work that we're doing and not even an undertone, but that's, you know, it's a part of these partnerships. It's a part of how we operate and it, it, it must be talked about. So I appreciate that. The question was just around, you know, if there's, as you think about us, us needing to collectively work towards solving an issue or work towards developing a new concept. Is there a particular partnership that you are currently engaged in that comes to mind? And how does that collaboration come to light when you're working with this other partner of yours? I have a deep partnership in mind as I'm talking to you. And so I'll I'll think of that one as I answer. Uh, I'll highlight what I think is there and why it is so effective. So this has been a partnership that's more than a decade in the making and has evolved. So it hasn't been the same. What is really foundational is there is a deep level of trust and mutual respect. And that shows up in its bi-directional, if you will, because in this case, it's a partner on one end and uh, and me and Health Force Center on the other end. That is so vital because there have been times where when that doesn't exist with that same depth, 
where I find that we are not at our best, right? We are second guessing ourselves on both sides. We are not always showing up, asking questions, but making assumptions instead. I feel like I and my teams do their best work in that environment. And we do better work actually, because we all hold ourselves, in this case, this partner and Health Force Center, I think hold ourselves to much higher level of expectations, what we want to accomplish and deliver because we know that we have kind of the vehicle or the foundation to accomplish that. And what's interesting about this partnership as I reflect on it with you is the players in the partnership have changed, but the partnership is still as strong. So it's not just dependent on who the individuals are, like my presence or the other party's presence being dependent on a single individual. And that I think is like the best partnership, right? It's a organizations to organization partnership that has multiple reinforcing layers, multiple levels of relationships, but there's a set of core values that drive that. It's been so fruitful and and just so much fun actually to be creative together. It makes me think about, and I've asked some of our others, uh, others who have joined the podcast, this same question. And I kind of, I like it because it's a, it's a different way to think about your partnerships, but what would you say either using this example you just used or the way you work with your patients or other partnerships, what would you say is something that you were able to achieve together that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to achieve alone? This is going to sound super uh, high level or even ethereal. I think we uh, together and couldn't have done this alone actually fundamentally changed what we believe about situations. So if we're trying to solve a problem in the field together, we fundamentally were able to, because of this learning process and this partnership, test assumptions and say, but what if? Or why not? And I think the end result of that work over many years resulted in much better programming, which is one of the outcomes of this partnership and much more creative because we had the trust to say, we'll try it right on either end. Let's try working differently. Let's try to achieve this together in a different way. But we could also come back as an organization when we are sometimes responsive to the other partner and say, you know what, there's an issue here and we want to flag it for you early so we can figure out how to solve it together rather than needing to have this veneer of we got this, we're on it, don't worry. And everything is all you know nicely packaged and always exemplary and never without problems. And so I think in this partnership together, we've done several different things that have really feel like important lasting contributions to the field that are either about um, particularly around developing capacity, either individual leader capacity or network capacity or knowledge capacity. You know, as you were talking, I was just reflecting on how crazy last year and a half of our lives have been and, you know, what it means to have these partnerships when you're in crisis or having to move rapidly through your work. So I'm curious if you can just talk a little bit about how your partnerships have either helped you or kind of hindered or stalled your work when you're trying to navigate a crisis. I'll talk about an example where it was the life preserve, if you will, that I needed. You know, we all either individually or organizationally hit points of crisis. And the crisis often is, I can't fix this. And I certainly can't fix it alone. And I think what I have learned in the last few years is the importance 
both of having strong partnerships. So you have that foundation of trust and you can turn to them in moments of crisis. And you can say, here is everything I know about the situation. I trust you to help me think about how to fix it. I'm not asking you to fix it, but I trust you to help me think about how to do it better or differently. And asking for help is just so vital in moments of crisis, right? We're not at our best. And we can't problem solve in the same way. And sometimes we're just depleted. Um, and having somebody on the other end who just says, okay, so let's define what the problem is. And it makes it more solvable and that, you know, we're going to be, we're here. We're here for this journey with you. And I feel like that is true, whether it's my professional partnerships, partnerships with patients. It's the same thing. Oftentimes I'm the person that's saying, it's okay, we're going to do this together. And I will be here for this journey with you. You're not alone. And that really, really matters. As you know, and a reminder to our listeners, the California Improvement Network is all about learning from one another, making changes based on lessons learned or advice, taking action to do more work, better work. And so what would be one or two pieces of advice that you would recommend to our listeners based on your experiences with the partnerships you've had? Show up fully, but if you have decided that a partnership is the right way to address a problem, to do something creative, then I think you have to be all in. That's been my experience. And I think that's been the fun experience also with CIN. Move at a slow enough pace that you leave room for yourself and your partner to be surprised, maybe even delighted at the creative solutions that you might come up with. And, and for learning, I've learned so much. I, there are times, you know, we all feel so busy and we're like, oh, I don't know another meeting I'm going to show up. But when I show up fully, I really am delighted at times at the things that I hear people uh, say. They're like words of wisdom or something that they've tried and they are sharing really fully about what did or didn't work or something that they're learning. And so I leave with nuggets that I'm like reflecting on long after. So show up, show up fully you know, leave room to be delighted. I, I think this reflects many things about Health Force Center as well as me. We are so focused on the, the how are we making things different? And I think you have to have that level of commitment. And from that commitment comes everything else. Am I accountable? Am I delivering what is needed? Am I including the people that need to be included? Am I moving like, you know, fast enough, but slow enough? There's so many different things. I think those are the key ones for me is just respecting and valuing when partnership is necessary and, and the solution. And maybe the thing that I have to remind myself sometimes, because I so value doing things with partnerships is sometimes an important decision is that maybe a partnership is not essential for this. And so then how do you pause and say, okay, well, is that really true? Why do I believe that? So like, you know, testing myself. And then if that's the case, all right, solve that problem alone. But then again, as, as you and I talked about just a little bit ago, so many of our problems are so complex that they, it's infrequent that I can answer that first question of like, nope, I got this on my own without anybody else's help. And that's almost never true. I'm going to make you go back to barriers and challenges. Just thinking about the partnerships that you have, is there any recommendations or advice you have for our listeners that you would do differently based on those barriers and challenges you faced in some of your partnerships to help our listeners make their partnerships stronger? 
two missteps that I have made more than once. One of them is trying to move too fast and not stopping long enough to really make sure that the partner or partners feel ready to move on to either an agreement or an action because the time pressure feels so real. And that's usually what's driving it. And oftentimes that is artificial or it's self-imposed. The other one is being overly communicative. We think we have a shared understanding. I think I know what you mean, but have I put it down on paper if that's what it needs to be on? Or have I said it out loud enough to really test the, the decisions that I think we have landed on or the ones that we both agree or the understanding or whatever it is? So those are two places that I think are oftentimes when I look back and see why something happened, that's the fork in the road that I missed or didn't spend enough time on. Before we wrap up, I just want to give you the chance to share anything else with our listeners about your partnerships or about advice that you have or anything that I didn't ask you that you thought I was going to ask and you want to mention. I, I thought of one other thing and it, it struck me earlier. I think it's humility and starting with that, the humility to know your organization well enough to know its strengths in an honest way, not in the best way to portray it and also the weaknesses so that the partners or partner can help evaluate uh, for themselves and conceding power. Being in a partnership does not mean you always lead, particularly as we talked about a little bit earlier, particularly when we think about what are the ways that our behaviors or our structures reinforce racism or are not anti-racist, then I think that's a really important place. And, you know, and that's a little bit at odds with society and some of our other structures, which really value who's leading, who's in charge. But I think for the problems we need to solve and I think where we have really grown and what I love about the Improvement Network and about CIN is that there is so much humility that people are there with an openness to learn. And it doesn't mean that we don't have egos, but for the purpose that we come together, we are there to say, you know what, you know better about this. Let me let you take the lead here. Or wait, I think I have something to offer here. I'd like to offer this and see if it's helping move us in the right direction. That's what I really value in partners is sometimes I see that, that ability to flex, own who they are and what they can do. And at the same time, you can value and respect and include others. Well, thank you so much, Sunita, for taking time to chat with me, have this conversation and, you know, to cer certainly share your partnership wisdom with our listeners. I'm sure that they enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Thank you for the chance to stop and pause and reflect. That was a really fun opportunity. Thank you for listening to the CIM podcast series on building effective partnerships to address social needs that impact health. As I mentioned at the start, we ask you to consider what did you hear in this conversation that can be applied to your work and what actions will you take to continue to advance your partnerships in your communities and with your healthcare partners. This podcast and others are located on our website at www.chcf.org CIN, and we look forward to sharing the next conversation with you coming soon.